Welcome to Networks for Training and Development's Employment for All podcast. I am your host, Joe Murphy. This podcast is dedicated to real work and real pay for all citizens. Today is April 8th, 2020. Today's employment forum is in response to the COVID-19 outbreak. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so very much for joining us. I certainly hope that you are all safe and well. Uh, my name is Chris Lawrence, and I'm from Philadelphia IDS, Intellectual Disabilities, and our office, in conjunction with Networks, we're sponsoring this virtual forum meeting. We wanted to just thank everyone for taking the time out to join us and also um, let you know that the purpose of our meeting is to come together and share uh, some positive things that are happening that you are doing uh, in this time of COVID-19 to uh, help the people that you serve. We appreciate your time. I am going to now turn it over to our facilitator, uh, Teresa Cody from Works for Training, and we'll be back to talk with you a little later on. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to let you know that this webinar is being captioned and recorded. So as shared, my name is Teresa Cody with Networks for Training and Development. We are happy to host these virtual forums with support from IDS in efforts to support employment services, individuals, staff, providers, especially amidst COVID-19. We understand that there are many changes, questions, and concerns. You may have feelings of being nervous or overwhelmed. You may find yourself inundated with questions. You may be trying to find a new routine for your day. So let's take a moment to center ourselves. Take a moment right now to breathe. In through your nose, out through your mouth. Do this two more times. Check in with yourself throughout the day, even if simply taking this minute to practice your breath. Maybe you remember your breath when you're in your car between customers or after you get home, take your shoes off and wash your hands. Before we dive in today's topic, we wanted to remind people of the highlight on Fill It On The Job Instagram labeled COVID-19, where people can access posts to updates that have been shared throughout this time. We would also like to remind you of the documents being shared on Fill It On The Job's website under the homepage's featured links, www.philaonthejob.org. Under the featured links on the homepage, there are documents, including one that is labeled Employment Services Through COVID-19. There is also a webinar scheduled for April 14th from 11 to noon titled Social and Emotional Connections of Vulnerable Populations During COVID-19. You can access this webinar by going to www.b as in boy, h, t as in Thomas, e, as an elephant, n as in nancy.com and view the training calendar to access the registration link.
Also, OVR in Montgomery County continues to host weekly live webinars via Skype. The next one is Friday, April 10th from 11 to noon about mental health considerations during this time. If you are interested in that webinar, please contact me at Teresa K, T-H-E-R-E-S-I-A-K at networksfortraining.org. We continue to seek how we can support you during this time, so please connect with us. Chris from IDS is also reaching out to Philadelphia area providers to check in. If you're not sure if we have your contact information or if you are outside of Philadelphia County Services, please use the chat function to connect with one of the network staff to share that information. Joe Murphy, Michelle Sparling, Nikita Arnett, or myself, Teresa Cody. With this discussion of supports happening across the state, this brings us to our topic today, PA APSI and its supportive efforts. We welcome Julia Barol, who is the chapter president and has been leading the board in taking some actions throughout this time. Julia will also share how National APSI is continuing to support Employment First through this time. Once Julia has shared, you will be able to ask her questions. Feel free to type into the chat box questions as Julia talks if you're joining via the Zoom app or internet browser. Julia, thank you for being here. My pleasure. I want to say hi to everyone. It's, um, it's a really rough time. I understand that, uh, especially for um, those of us that work in employment. And I know there's been a lot of unknowns. We have been working hard to, to really increase people's voices. So APSI is a national organization. For those of you who are not familiar with APSI, it stands for the Association of People Supporting Employment First. The organization has been around for 30 years now, going on 31. Uh, the vision is that all people with disabilities have competitive employment in an inclusive workforce. And the mission is to advance employment equity for people with disabilities and we believe that everyone can and should work and have the dignity of determining their career path. So despite what's been going on with COVID-19, APSI has continued to do systems work um, around OVR and systems change. There have been a lot of issues prior to COVID-19 having to do with pre-employment transition services the supported employment policy that went into effect in 2018 and the closed order of selection. Um, and we continue to do that work despite um, the current situation. APSI is also represented on the Information Sharing and Advisory Committee or the ISAAC, which works with ODP and helps to guide decisions that ODP is making as um, a statewide agency. Um, we've been working around informed decision-making and getting the message out about my day, my informed choice. And uh, we also have representation on the Pennsylvania Rehab Council. So most recently, we sent a letter to ODP 
requesting to maintain robust employment services that we need to have support for organizations that do supported employment and customized employment to literally stay afloat. Um, we requested that uh, we have the same up to 75% retain, retainer payments as community participation supports and DAHAB providers have. That currently is under consideration. They have reached out to CMS. There's a second amendment, K that is in the process, or I guess I should say an appendix to appendix K that hopefully will include additional supports for those in supported employment. Um, unfortunately, I think right now we just have to stay tuned and hope that that comes through quickly. ODP is encouraging that um, organizations that are in supported employment take advantage of any and all opportunities through grants and small business loans that um, have been made available due to COVID-19. Our board has also been working on a document on how to facilitate the business case of enhancing the workforce. And um, the plan is that there will be a presentation at the National APSI Conference in June, which is still going on. And for those of you that want more information on that, please reach out. It's in Denver this year. But we are happy, and perhaps this might be a great topic for an upcoming employment forum to talk about the, um, the document that was put together to facilitate the business case of enhancing the workforce. We've also written a letter to OVR and uh, to Executive Director Austin, um, requesting guidance in a number of areas. I am gonna make the assumption that everyone received the document that was sent out this past Friday from Executive Director Austin. Um, there was not an awful lot in there in supporting their community rehab providers and the work that they're doing. Um, we continue to push forward on this. Some of the areas that we focused on was um, virtual and remote service delivery, asking OVR to consider allowing community-based work assessments to include remote methods, such as informational interviews and virtual assessments, mock job interviews, and interest inventories. We also requested support around remote and virtual service delivery engagement for pre-employment transition services. There's a lot of positions currently that are coming up that really are temporary or seasonal because of COVID-19. And while that is um, normally restricted for OVR support, we ask that these positions be supported in the current climate. Community-based work assessments. Um, it's important that community rehab providers have the additional time to reassess each customer's specific situation regarding changes that have been caused by the COVID-19 crisis. We've also asked for CRPs to be allowed to submit partial billing for those customers who either have been laid off or um, are not able to continue working at this time 
um, that was responded to and there are no partial billings being accepted. Um, we asked also that for phase one, that the limited amount of service hours yielding questions about priority, many customers may choose not to take opportunities for health-related or other personal concerns and needs. And um, community rehab providers need guidance on whether to utilize hours now and if additional hours will be authorized when the state of emergency is lifted and we begin with economic recovery. Um, we have not had guidance in that either. Uh, phase two, um, for those individuals that have been laid off from their jobs, we requested guidance um, for when they are recalled to their jobs. They will likely need additional times than are currently allowed for um, in order for them to either relearn their position or to look for another job. Um, we asked also under phases three through five for job supports. Um, again, additional hours for support for restarting or um, refamiliarizing themselves with the current job. Um, and also for phase four, for those that have been working towards those 90 days of employment and have lost their job, uh, we ask that OVR consider allowing community rehab providers to recoup these funds given the magnitude of the situation. For extended and emergency job coaching, um, we ask that for these additional supports, we will need to receive additional service hours or continue these contracts when the crisis ends. We need guidance on that. And then project search um, payment points need to be reassessed. CRPs must have guidance on how to count the 90 days during the interruption and um, CRPs need to recoup funds to help pay for search staff. And the wait list for services um, with the crisis, there should be uh, significant wait times for customers who are waiting for services. And um, we asked for guidance on how that would be handled as well. Um, very few of our questions um, and suggestions were responded to, and um, we're continuing to look for additional ways to um, really get our voice across to OVR. We plan on sending comments back on the most recent letters that um, were sent out from Executive Secretary Austin, and um, hopefully we will have some better guidance from them in the really near future. I don't know, uh, Teresa, if you want me to stop now and answer questions on that before going on to national APSE's priority policies. Does anyone have immediate questions right now with what Julia has shared so far? This is Darlene from the Public Interest Law Center. And I, my question was, how are you, Julia? Good, how are you? I am doing well. Um, my question was, um, so I've seen some of the guidance from OBR, but what I have not seen from OBR is any guidance to direct it at customers about what services are still available for them. 
Um, is that something that has been um, raised with OBR by um, APSI, or is that, or is it OBR's position that that is on the um, individual providers? Do you know? That's actually a great question. We did not raise that, and I think that was an oversight on our part. Um, in our follow-up, we will absolutely make sure that um, that that's brought to their attention. Uh, I, I'm making the assumption that um, it, any providers that are supporting individuals currently um, would be passing on that information, but that may not necessarily be the case. And so that leaves um, individuals without any knowledge of how the services are going to be um, going forward. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I did raise it also with um, Steve Pennington from the Client Assistance Program, and he was going to raise that with OVR, but I just wanted to, to ask as many people as I could so that we make sure that um, customers know how services will be delivered. So thank you. Absolutely. We will make sure that it will be included in our response to the most recent guidance that OVR has um, put out for everyone. Julia, I think we are good to continue on. Thank okay. you. Okay. So um, National APSI does a lot of work um, around policy in Washington. And so the current priorities um, are the phase out of 14C and subminimum wage. That's the Transformation to Competitive Employment Act and the Raise the Wage Act. Um, supporting implementation of WIOA and achieving uh, CIE. There's the Capability Act and Disability Employment Incentive Act. Um, the compliance with the Medicaid Home and Community-Based Settings Rule. Uh, there's two acts there, Disability Integration Act and the HCBS Infrastructure Improvement Act. Um, promoting ABLE expansion. There is the ABLE Age Adjustment Act. Preventing cuts to Medicaid and Social Security. There's the SSI Restoration Act. And addressing the DSP workforce shortage crisis. There's both the Direct Care Opportunity Act and recognizing the role of Direct Support Professionals Act. Um, those are the priorities currently. We're also monitoring. Um, in addition to that, there is the Senior Care Act and um, the recognizing the role of the direct support professionals. Um, we're also keeping our eyes on Medicaid block grants and Medicaid work requirements by state, the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act and the state plans. Um, the money follows the person and spousal impoverishment protections, uh, Medicaid and Medicare for all home and community-based settings implementation, and social security reform. So a little more information on the Transformation to Competitive Employment Act. Um, it is H.R. 873 and S-260, or House of Representatives and Senate. Um, we have a total of 59 sponsors. And... Um, it's still on the table, but since Congress is on hold, it's on hold. 
the Recognizing the Role of the Direct Support Professional Act, or HR 6045 and S3369, um, is to require the Office of Management and Budget to revise the standard occupational classification system to establish a separate code for direct support professionals and for other purposes. This will help states and the federal government better interpret this shortage in the labor market of direct support professionals, as well as collect data on the high turnover rate of direct support professionals. Um, the Senate bill is bipartisan with three co-sponsors um, and Homeland Security and Government Affairs. The House bill has six co-sponsors, also bipartisan with um, education and labor. And APSI currently has two action alerts out. One is for Money Follows the Person and Spousal impover Impoverishment Protections. Um, so you wanna reach out to your members of Congress, especially members of the Senate Finance Committee to support Money Follows the Person reauthorization. Um, the program itself provides additional Medicaid funding to states to move more than 91,000 seniors and individuals with disabilities out of institutions and back home. Independent evaluations have proven Money Follows the Person improves the quality of life for individuals and has a reduced Medicaid expenditure by approximately 23%. States save money and see better outcomes. And the funding expires May 22nd. So please reach out to um, your members of Congress and um, we can send links afterwards if you're not sure who that is. And the most current action alert is to uh, reach out to Congress and explain why expanded funding for home and community-based services is so critical. During the COVID-19 public health emergency, continuing and strengthening home and community-based services is critical to reducing the likelihood of spreading the virus, and it's essential for supporting people with disabilities. So um, share your stories about what home and community-based services means to people with disabilities and direct support professionals who support them. This is something that you can do currently, you can do with a phone. They're requesting a brief video, two minutes max, sharing your story of why receiving or delivering services in the community is so important. Make sure you share your name and the state you live in. Stories about employment supports and how they lead to jobs in the community are especially needed right now. Um, do you currently work in an essential job or are you supporting someone who is during the public health crisis? Make sure you tell that story and once recorded, upload it to Twitter. And if you don't have a Twitter account, I'm sure if you send it into networks, they will upload it to their account and be sure to include the hashtags of what we need, employment first, and we are essential. You can also tag um, the Dems on aging, Democrats on aging, and National APSI, as well as tagging your members of Congress and asking them to support S3544. These action alerts are really, really important. They listen. They really do listen. And a two-minute video with um, a quick statement can be huge. The more we get, the better chances we have for more funding.
Any questions about the national APSI and the public policy work that's being done at the national level? If anyone has questions, you can either type it into the chat box or we can go ahead and unmute your mics. Thank you so much for sharing, Julia. A lot of great information and a lot of things moving even during these times. So I'm going to take this opportunity also then to um, plug joining APSI. When you join the national organization, you automatically become a member of Pennsylvania APSI. Um, APSI provides more than just public policy work. APSI is also um, works on, on creating trainings and providing evidence-based practice um, support around supported employment. Um, there's a lot of trainings going on right now, which this is a, a perfect time and opportunity to really brush up on skills or attain new skills around employment. Um, there's a special introductory um, membership for professional members, first-time professional members for just $90 for the first year and use the promo code PAAPSI. Julia, so there's a question in the chat asking if the slides could be emailed to them. Absolutely. So, okay, perfect. And so everyone knows too, we are also recording this as well and we'll be uploading it once we have transcripts and everything put together. And this is our current board. The last slide um, is our current board of directors. So I am open for questions. Julia, can you go back to that last slide real quick? Sure. So for those, so for those on the call, um, Julia is the president of PA APSI. Vice president is Kathy Sykes, treasurer Verna Morris, secretary Erica Kishbaugh, general board members, Diane Cashman, Andrea Consigny, Joel Goldberg, myself, Teresa Cody, Susan Schoenfeld, Corey Smith, and William Del Toro Vargas. Julia is also National APSI's Mid-Atlantic Delegate and Board Member. Matt has asked in the chat, he noted the closed captioning today is great. Is it a standard Zoom feature or a special plugin? It actually is attached to the latest PowerPoint. So if you have Microsoft PowerPoint, um, I think it, it's automatically attached to that. You just need an internet connection to um, access closed captioning. And then as an aside, Zoom does have the capability. You need a third party um, closed captioning software but Zoom can also close caption. In addition, Google Slides also has the ability to close caption. Thank you so much, Julia. My pleasure.
So as everyone takes a moment to digest all this information, um, if you do have any questions, you can certainly contact Julia. Absolutely. Um, Julia, would um, you like to share your email? Sure. Um, it's julia.barol, B as in boy, A-R-O-L, at temple.edu. And, um, you know, any, any comments, anything you feel that maybe was left out, especially through the OVR appeal, um, please let me know. And um, as I said, we are drafting a response to the most recent guidance um, and um, we want it to be as complete as possible. Julia from last four digits on the phone, 5795. Hi, it's Suzanne, and I actually um, found the answer. <laughs> I, I actually don't have a question now, and I was trying to unraise my hand, and I, wasn't, I couldn't figure out how to do that. But since I'm on, um, how, how are we going to make sure that um, people who are on the phone get a copy of the PowerPoint. Well, that's a great question. Um, I am happy to send it to anyone who emails me. Um, I would also, uh, I'll send it to networks. It can go out to the general members of the employment forum. I know that we have other members um, that may not have been on the listserv. I know that Ed sent out an email about today's session. Um, so please feel free to email me and I'm happy to send it to you. It's julia.barol at temple.edu. And also to anyone on the Networks for Training distribution list, we can also see about sending it out that way as well. Okay. All right, thank you, Julia. Um, I'm not seeing any questions. So, um, we have another person who Chris Lawrence from IDS is going to go ahead and introduce because last week we had conversations and discussions around unemployment and social security. And we are lucky enough today to have someone from the social security office join us. So Chris, if you wanna go ahead and introduce. Good afternoon, everyone. Again, uh, thanks again, uh, Julia, for your presentation and wealth of information you shared. Um, as, as Teresa previously mentioned, um, one of my concerns was uh, answers to um, the attendees' questions last week as it relates to Social Security. In particular, there were some concerns about um, SSI payments and how our they going to be uh, recipients of the economic um, payments that's scheduled to go out uh, the middle of, of the month from the federal government. And so um, I was privileged to meet um, Richard. And Richard, I'm a, I have a challenging time pronouncing your last name. So before I mess it up, I'll let you pronounce that. 
and um, he's going to share some information from Social Security that hopefully will be helpful and also some information regarding um, how uh, we can access limited services through this COVID-19 um, pandemic uh, virtually since we were not able to go into the to the office. So Richard, are you um, unmuted? Yes, yes I am, Chris, thank you. Okay. Certainly. Okay. So this is, this is Rich Gattiosi, I'm a public affairs specialist in Southeastern PA for Social Security. And um, just a couple of things, um, like everybody else in the world, I guess, our offices have been closed to the public for a few weeks now. Uh, so we have no walk-in traffic, no in-person services, but uh, we're still uh, doing things by phone and of course online. And um, one of the things Chris mentioned is that um, the $1,200 economic impact payments are going to be going out. Uh, our agency does not have a real lead role in this. It's Treasury Department and the IRS are the two lead agencies. But what's going to happen is that everybody on Social Security is going to receive the $1,200 and people on SSI as well. And one of the things that we did announce is that uh, for people who are on SSI, that $1,200 payment will not count as income against their normal SSI check. So normally, anytime you get new income, it's gonna affect the check, but the SSI monthly amount, but that's not the case here. And also, um, upon receiving the $1,200, that money, those funds will not count towards the SSI allowable resource limit, which for single people is $2,000 for people that, um, a married situation is $3,000. So it would not count for a year's time. So 12 months, we would not count it towards the resource limit. So that's the information we have right now up to date. Um, they're still working out some things in terms of, you know, when the payments are going out, but that's what's going to go out. It will not count as income and it will not count towards the resource limit for 12 months. Um, a couple other things. People may be in need of a replacement social security card. Um, if they're in need of a card, if they have a My Social Security account, which, which if they don't have, they can create at our website, um, and they have either a driver's license or a state-issued ID card, they can um, request, go online and request a replacement card be sent to them. Um, in Delaware, if anybody's a resident of Delaware, they need to have a driver's license. It's the state ID, if there is such a thing in Delaware, I'm not certain that would not that would not suffice. So people can re request a replacement card if they have an online account. Uh, and they may, they may need that in time with some uh, employment situations. So they can do that, that's the easiest way to do it. If they can't, and uh, if they need some type of statement, uh, we can can send them a printout of their social security number on a, a printout we can mail to them. Um, people can call our local offices, even though even though we're not open for walk-in traffic, people can call the local office. Uh, you can find that on our website uh, at what's called Office Locator, which is a, a section on our website where you put in a zip code, it'll give you the office, and at the bottom of the page, then you'll see the actual office number to talk to somebody in that office. And because people are in offices, we have a few people uh, like skeleton crews in most of the offices. Um, but normally you would be calling the 800 number, 1-800-772-1213. Um, and nowadays we've gone to an 8 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. 
time frame with uh, people on the on those calls. We sort of bunch people together, and uh, the other hours of the day, people can do automated um, automated services they can ask for online. And I guess I guess that's about it. Unless people have questions, the other thing I would want to just mention is the ongoing situations with uh, scammers. Um, this this has been going on for a while now. People being any called and told that somebody's going to uh, something activity is going on with their social security number and they need to send money. And, you know, we all know that's a scam and it, that's continued on with the COVID-19 situation to people calling and somehow relating it to having to send money. So, you know, we, we just want to emphasize to everybody that we're never going to call you cold out of the blue. We're never going to ask for your money in that fashion. Um, we might call you if we have an ongoing issue that you've been dealing with us, but uh, that's not going to be a situation where we would cold call. So, there's always, they're always looking for opportunities to, to get people's money, and this COVID-19 is no different situation. So that's what I have. I don't know if anybody has any questions about those issues. That's a lot I kind of threw at you, I guess. No, thank you. So we have in the chat box. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Um, Rich, they're asking, so are you saying that the stimulus check amount will not impact his or her SSI cash payment? Absolutely, will not impact it. And then another question asked, will you receive the 1200 payment if someone claims you as a dependent on their taxes? That I can't answer because that's, again, that's an IRS issue. Um, I wouldn't know, other than the IRS, go to the irs.gov website. They have a lot of information there. I don't, I don't wanna comment on tax issues because that's not our baby. Yes, thank you. Are there other questions? Uh, Richard, do you have any information regarding individuals who are SSDI as it relates to same. the- Yeah, same thing. I mean, same thing, whether they're getting SSDI, you know, disability payment or whether they're receiving retirement or some type of, could be a survivor's benefit, widows, whatever it might be. The fact that they're receiving social security means they're gonna get the $1,200 payment. Okay. I just want to there's various types there are various types of benefits, but just the fact that it's under social security's umbrella, retirement, survivors, or disability, folks would get that. Another comment in the chat is a press release from Social Security Administration that Julia shared in the files, which for anyone on the phone, please contact a member of Networks team. You can email me at Teresa K at networksfortraining.org, T-H-E-R-E-S-I-A-K at Networks for Training, and we can get that to you. There's a comment in the chat, individuals who are claimed as dependent will not receive a stimulus check for the first wave of the stimulus. Um, Another question just came in asking about a website to gain more information about the stimulus check so they can give that to families of folks in support of employment. Yeah, well, I know I'm speaking for myself. I know IRS.gov uh, has a lot of information about it. And uh, also on our website, socialsecurity.gov, we have um, a, a series of questions which cover 
you know, whether, whether it's going to affect people's benefits one way or another, and which, is, which I said as it, it would not, but there's a lot of information there and also talks about how to communicate with us. And you can actually sign up for updates, subscribe to sort of coronavirus updates about Social Security. Um, and you can, anytime there's any change or we're going to reopen our offices, you'll get an alert about that, either an email or a text message, whatever you prefer. Thank you. And we'll also add these various resources to fill out on the job website. Again, that's www.philaonthejob, as in boy, org. All right, so right now, if there are no other questions, I'm going to take another look. Again, star nine if you're on the phone and would like to raise your hand. I, I just want to add, while we're waiting for any additional inquiries, um, uh, Philadelphia IDS offices will be closed on this upcoming Friday. So uh, if anyone would like to reach out to us today and tomorrow, uh, we're closed on Friday, won't be returning until Monday. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Are there other questions or comments, things that people would like to share right now? Okay, again, this, forum is recorded and we will be uploading um, through Networks for Training online learning into a podcast and we will have a transcript as well available for people. So at this time then we want to thank you for joining us today. If you have a topic that you would like to have discussed or learn more about, please contact us. We look forward to you joining us through the same link and number at 3 p.m. next week, April 15th. Enjoy the rest of the week. Be safe and stay well, everybody. Thank you for listening. We hope the information we provided was useful. If it was, please subscribe to our podcast channel. You can find all information about Networks for Training Development at our website, www.networksfortraining.org.